Hey everybody, this is Alec from Dude to Like Movies. Uh, I am actually not with Dan, Dylan, nor Grace, any of our, our guests. Uh, Dan thought it'd be a good idea if, you know, we see a movie, because, you know, on the podcast sometimes we say, hey, um, we haven't seen uh, Parasite, or we haven't seen this movie, or that, etc. Um, he thought, well... If one of us, like, say I had, was I have actually about to talk to you guys about 1917, uh, because I had seen that movie before it left the theaters and Dan hasn't, he thought, hey, why don't you, you know, do a recording, uh, talk about the movie, give your impression, etc., and then we'll put it out for everybody to listen to. Um, so I am going to do that. Uh, I saw the movie, I want to say see, it is Saturday the 15th of February. I saw that movie probably about nine days ago now. And honestly, it was fantastic. I mean, it was beautifully shot. Uh, the story wasn't too complicated. It was very simple, very plain Jane. Um, but the way that it was done was very uh, um, heartstring pulley, uh, I guess is the... I guess that's now the nomenclature I'm using, even though it uh, makes no sense, but, you know, rolling with it, oh well. Um, but, uh, so basically the whole movie is about um, starting out these two guys. One of them has a brother who is in charge of a squad um, on the other side of this battlefield where they're, you know, waiting to go attack the Germans. And um, the guy who is in charge of the whole whole shemil the the army i guess in that area says hey the commander that's over there didn't see these new aerials um where it shows that oh the germans are faking a retreat which you know shock if you know your history yeah um he says hey you know the brother over there i need you because you know somebody there to run this over and i need you to pick somebody to go with you and he says okay um i will do that so he picks out his friend, um, who is the blonde character. I am forgetting the names of the characters, but if you see the movie or the trailer, you'll have an idea of who I'm talking about. Um, but anyway, uh, so the first guy with the brother gets the blonde guy. You know, he's like, why'd you pick me? He's like, well, we're friends and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I'm just trying to go home, not trying to die. And, you know, which I mean. It was 1917, so he had about another year before that happened, so... Okay, but anyway, so he picks him out, and the guy with the brother, he, he's a very, you know, chip-on-your-shoulder kind of guy. He gets very emotional when he gets the task, you know, he's pushing past everybody like he's hot shit. And he's just, you know, he's very, like, uptight, and he's very scared. I mean, which is understandable, because I think it said he was, uh... <sighs> was i think it was 18 or 19 he was something like that he was he was a teenager maybe an early 20 year old but he wasn't older he wasn't you know he wasn't a 30 year old man or th no he was a very young guy and um because his brother's older so he had he had been at least his teens but anyway so um he and his blonde friend they you know they start going over the top and you know they start going um through barbed wire and the blonde friend gets barbed wire caught in his hand right cuts open his hand and the whole time I was sitting there, because I was by myself in the theater, which is awesome, so I could make as much commentary as I wanted, well, um, he cuts his hand, right? He doesn't dress it right there, which for me was like, 
okay, so you know they're not there there. Why don't you take some time to, you know, put some... So anyway, so they go down through the trenches, um, and they come upon a uh, artillery hole filled with water and dead Germans, like a ton of dead bodies. It was it was gnarly. Um, but anyway, um, they crawl out of that, and then they fall into another pit... That had a dead body with his guts hanging out. It was like, you know, he was dead, but not, you know, hadn't been there for forever. And the guy, he's waiting on, he get he does something. I forget what exactly how it happened. But anyway, he ends up putting the hand with the wound inside the intestines of this dead dude. And I'm just about ready to a throw up. I'm like, oh my God, dude, you have to like do something with that hand or something, right? Well, they finally get into the German trenches. He's like, oh, let's get some water on it. And then he pours some water on it. And then he wraps it up. And I'm like, okay, okay, wait, okay, no, wait, okay, okay. What, I, I guess, I guess, right? So they go down into the trench and you see all these rats. There are rats everywhere. Everything's abandoned though, but they're impressed because you saw their, you see their trenches in the beginning. You know, they're dug, they're about, you know, about six feet deep, you know, uh, just barely enough just to keep them covered. Um, it was all like kind of miserable and kind of cramped, right? They go to the German trenches. These things are at least 10 feet deep. They're well organized. They have bunk beds in every room. It's it's a very night, and which is true in World War One. is true. The Germans had much better trenches. Um, and it was just so weird seeing it. Um, you know, on the screen, because you very rarely see that kind of stuff, well, portrayed accurately. So, anyway, so, the blonde guy and the friend are looking around, and the blonde friend says, wait, 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 don't go over there. Because he's like, there's a trap. He sees a tripwire. And he's like, I have to disarm it, I have to find where it, you know, where it goes, right? Well, one of the fat rats that's there... It sees, uh, I think it was um, some dead flesh that was in there, and it starts to pull it, and it falls, and they're like, no! And the uh, friend with the brother basically saves the blonde friend because a bomb goes off, boom, in the trench, which I think the Germans had, you know, planted that there just to say, okay, so they are coming now. Um, so anyway, so the cave collapses, or the trench collapses, rather, they all get out. He uses, uh, he guides his friend out, who is basically blind because of all the dust and everything in his eyes. They get out there. He clears out his eyes with some water, and they keep going. And they come across an orchard. Um, and the kid with the brother tells the blonde friend all about the trees there because they were all cut down because they're basically doing a scorch. The Germans are doing scorched earth. So he's telling them about him because he works on a, an orchard with his brother and. You know, you get to really get to know this kid. It's like, wow, that sounds really pleasant. Um, because, um, well, not because, but you get to you get to that little weird tidbit of information about the kid. I think they were trying to reference Lord Kitchener. I think that was the name. Lord Kitchener's army, which was basically like, hey, you and your friends, you know, you lads all get to go out, fight a war and do what make it sound fun, right? So he basically tricked a bunch of these youngins to go out and sign up for a war. And it worked, but eh, you know, there's a reason why they call it the Lost Generation. 
But um, anyway, so after they go through this orchard, they're looking around, you know, trying to find some evidence, some people, maybe something. Well, they happen to notice uh, some biplanes overhead, and there's a dogfight. And they're like, oh, who's winning, I wonder? Blah, blah, blah. And so then one of them gets shot down. He's like, was that us? He's like, no, 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 it wasn't. Well, they're watching the plane as they're standing in some barn. And the plane comes towards them. And then they start rushing out of there and it crashes, right? Well, they see the pilot. And they're trying to drag him out, trying to save him. He's yelling at him. The, guys, the pilot's yelling in German at him, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, 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 we're trying to help you. So they drag him out to safety, right? And, um... You know, he's wounded, obviously. He's looking over at both of them. And um, the guy with the brother's like, wait, just calm down. It's okay. He's like, go get him some water. And so the blonde friend goes to get water, right? And then you hear the kid yelling, ow, ow. And then you look over, or the camera rather, pans over. And he's been stabbed. The kid got stabbed. And so then the blonde friend takes his rifle. He shoots the German dead. Two shots. One to the shoulder. And then he shoots him right in the head. He's, he's dead. He's gone, right? And it's really a depressing scene because um, the kid says, you know, am I dying? And his friend says, yeah, you're dying. And he's like, you know, tell him I was brave and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I won't tell my brother uh, I am sorry and all this. It's really a hard scene to watch. I mean, Damn. Because you can, you can really get to see him on screen. I think you got to see him for maybe about 15, 20 minutes. But you've really got to understand who this kid was. And then he ends up dying. And then, I kid you not, about four minutes after that happens, this giant platoon of British soldiers shows up, led by Mark Strong. Which, for me, I was like, wow, this is just like the ending to uh, The Mist, which, spoiler alert, uh, where in The Mist... He ends up capping his kid and his wife so they don't have to suffer. And when he finds out there's no more bullets, he goes outside to get ripped apart by the creatures. And then as soon as he steps outside the door, you know, he sees a military tank coming and not creatures. He's the mist being driven off. So it's kind of like that, at least the way I see it, because if he had just, you know, if they hadn't touched the pilot, because the pilot, I don't think, had a gun on him. If they hadn't done anything, if they had just left them be, both of them, they hadn't gone anywhere, you know, the British army basically would have arrived. And then somebody else could take care of it. But, you know, things happen, right? So he tells, so uh, the blonde friend tells Mark Strong, hey, I'm trying to get to this area, blah, blah, blah. And Mark Strong says, okay, ride along with us, right? So they start riding, you know, you see a Sikh in there, and you see the kind of like the the um you know the kind of the casual racism from back in the day because you know it was 1917 it's not like you know you can't be politically it wasn't supposed to be politically correct nobody nobody fucking cared back in you know back in the day you know if you called a Sikh this name or you called somebody this no one cared you know um that's just the way it was um so they eventually are going on a muddy road and the driver screws up and um they get stuck so the blonde friend says i have to go let's go so he starts like trying to move the truck by himself he's trying to deadlift it which by the way if you're gonna deadlift go all heels he was trying back it was not good probably injured his back but anyway so he everyone's like he's like come on come on so everyone's like okay let's do it they get the truck free but then they go in and then the bridge is out and he says oh my god 
the bridge is out. Great. Lit. Awesome. Thanks, Germans. Thanks, Obama. Don't know why I said Obama, but, you know, um, it's the movie. Accuracy. Um, so then after, you know, thanking Obama, he says, what am I going to do? I have to go through this town that was over there. It was a destroyed town. I think they were in France. So the, this they, he, he tells Mark Strong, I have to go here. And Mark Strong says, good luck. So he rushes off across this little bridged-in area, right? And the camera has been following him and, you know, well, his, his friend and him and then just him up to that point. Almost like it was one shot. It was very impressive. Honestly, it, it didn't cut at all. It, it was very good. Well, at least not that I could see it cut. It just looked like one shot. Um, but anyway, so he's trying to cross down this other, into this ruined town, cross a, a little ruined bridge. You know, it wasn't like the other one, which was a very long one. This one was very small, you know, like an entrance point. So he's crawling down into the river, and then uh, there's a sniper. And he says, oh, God. So he's trying to, like, rush, and he's trying to, trying to hide from this sniper. Then he takes his rifle, and he starts shooting up um, into the uh, area of this church where he thinks that the sniper is. And um, he fires a few shots. He doesn't hit him directly um, until about the third or fourth shot where he stops shooting. So he wants to make sure he's dead, so he goes into the building. He has his rifle ready, and then he kicks open a door, shoots it, and he sees the German. He shoots, and the German also shoots, and boom, that's it, black. And then it cuts to darkness, so, you know, that, then you can tell it wasn't just one shot. It was obviously, you know, over a period of time. And he was unconscious. I think it said he got hit... Um, I think it was in one of his equipment bags or something, and he fell back. He got knocked. He got he flew backwards, so he got hit with the bullet. But I think it, if I remember right, it penetrated. It didn't penetrate him. It penetrated something he had on him. But anyway, so he wakes up hours later. Now, mind you, he has to get to stop this attack by the morning. I forgot to mention that he has to get to there by morning. Um, and it was the afternoon. It was about, I think it was about three or four miles from where they were. So. Typically, for me, an example, I can walk three miles in an hour. But with all these delays, it was probably going to be a little bit longer because he had to end up going around um, through this ruined city. Um, and then he also got knocked out. So anyway, he gets knocked out. He wakes up and he says, oh, God, it's nighttime, right? So he's going down in into the city and then he sees flames like the, like the Germans are burning the city to the ground, right? And... He goes down into this little bomb shelter, and he finds a woman and a baby. And um, the woman speaks French, and she's like, oh, "Please don't, don't hurt me. I'm no, this is a baby." Blah blah. And he's like, "I'm English." And she's like, "Oh, okay." Like her tune immediately changed, <laughs> which I thought was funny. And um, uh, he's talking to her, and. Um, you know, they're having a conversation, and she says, we're just hungry, blah, 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 I scavenge. And he says, well, here, take all this food, and what about the baby? And she's like, well, the baby needs milk. And one thing that happened at the farm before the kid died with the brother, um, the blonde friend refilled his canteen with cow's milk, because there was fresh cow's milk. So that's even refilled, right? And when you cut forward back to the city, he says um, to her, he's like, wait a minute. He pulls out his canteen, and she's like, 
you have cow's milk? He's like, yeah, I just happened to have grabbed it. I had no idea this was happening. And for me, I was like, he knows milk spoils, so why would he put it in his canteen? I, I don't know. But I, I guess it was maybe just a plot thing. So he gives it to her. She thanks him for his kindness. He goes to move on. Well, he's exploring. He's trying to get out of these ruins, and he gets uh, sidetracked looking at this giant inferno that's in front of him because one of the buildings is being burned. He's looking at it, and then he starts moving again. And he runs into like a, a German teenager who's um, with a drunkard, who's, um, his, I guess, his partner. Um, and the the British guy, the, the blonde friend, says to the German kid, he's like, he's like, you know, shh, you know, putting his finger up to his lips. He's like, tell him, don't say a damn thing. And then he lets off the kid, and the kid starts screaming, and then he grabs him, pushes him to the ground, and starts to strangle him to death, while the German's drunk partner's like, hey, what's going on? You know, he's yelling in German. He's, you could tell he's sloshed. And he eventually kills the kid, and um, the drunk guy sees what's going on. He starts yelling. And then another German shows up and he starts hip firing. They aren't aiming. They're just firing from the hip trying to kill him. And they start chasing him. He's being chased. He's being chased. And he eventually finds himself jumping into a river. And then he wakes up. And, you know, it's morning now. And he gets up. He's upset. He's angry. And then he sees a bunch of British soldiers. And, um, he's just, here's one of them singing one of their, a Gaelic tune, I guess. Um, that's what it sounded like to me. And he just sits down and, um, he's listening to the singing and all this. And, um, you know, every of the British soldiers, they don't say anything weird about it. Cause you know, he's in British uniform and everything, blah, blah, blah. He's speaking English with an accent. It's whatever. So they say, like, Hey man, where are you from? He's like, I'm from uh, this squad. I'm looking for, I think it was the Devonshires. And this guy's like, mate, where are the Devonshires? He's like, what? He's like, yeah, we're part of the second wave of the attack. He's like, you're all going to die. And they're like, wait, what? He's like, I have orders for the for the colonel who's played by Benedict Cumberbatch. So he says, I have to get to Benedict Cumberbatch. And, you know, they're like, okay, okay. So he starts pushing all these people out of the way. He's like, get out of the way, get out of the way. He's like... And then all these commanders are like giving preps talks to the guys like, OK, so when you get over there, you're going to bayonet the Hun right here and you're going to, you know, shoot him in the face and do all this other stuff. You know, you're going to decorate the, the trenches with their blood and you're going to drink it. And then people are like, wait, we're going to what? And he's like, never mind. You're just going to kill them, you know, because they're Germans. Who cares? Germany doesn't care. They're dying, you know. So why should you blah, blah, blah. And um He's like, do not go. And they're like, well, we have 30 seconds. And then he starts, he, he looks over for no, it was kind of weird. He starts looking over like he's disheartened. He can't get past this like massive wall of troops. So he goes up over the top and all these guys are like, no, what are you doing? So he starts, then he starts like goose walking, you know, put his hands by his side and he's marching like he's angry. And then you hear the whistles and you see all these guys charging and then artillery starts going off. People are being blown up. People are running, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, you're too late, buddy. So then he rushes in. He's like, I need you to stop this attack. You're going to lose. It's a trap. Right. And then Benedict Cumberbatch says, boy, who are you? And he says, I have direct orders from the general. You have to stop this fight right now, which I don't know how the hell they're going to, you know, stop it. Because, like, all these people just went over the top and a bunch of them just got blown to smithereens. So it's like, you know, I guess small victories. And, um. Anyway, so he says to Benedict Cumberbatch, you have to stop. 
and Benedict looks at the the reports, you know, looks at the photos. He's like, damn it. All right. And um, he says to this uh, second in command guy says, hey, go tell them to not send anybody else. We have to pull back. Right. So this guy starts walking. I was like, don't you go over the top. Stop, stop, blah, blah, blah. And he says, good work, blah, blah, blah. And then Blonde Friend says to Benedict Cumberbatch, hey, have you seen, um, I think his brother's name was Daniel in the movie. He said, have you seen Daniel so-and-so? And he says, uh, lo- the lieutenant, no, he's probably, he says like, Lieutenant Dan, whatever, no, I haven't seen him. Try the medical tents. Um, so he's like, he's either wounded or dead. So, you know, we'll see what happens. So then he goes out to the to the tents and he's trying to find the the kid's brother, Dan, uh, Daniel. And the only description he was given was he looks like me, but older. So he's asking around these wounded people, these surgeons like, no, we haven't seen him, blah, 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 blah. Try the corpse pile, blah, 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 blah. He's disheartened. And then, you know, he hears a voice like, hey, I heard you're looking for me. And um, he says, yeah, I came here with a brother. He's like, oh, uh, my brother's here? Wow, where is he? I think, oh, Matthew. That was the kid's name, Matthew. He's like, oh, Matthew's here. Where is he? Oh, my God. And he's like, mm, well, I came here with him. Didn't make it. And he says, and he's, you know, he's visibly upset because he hands him his um, dog tags. And he says um, he, he fought bravely. You know, he didn't die a coward and you should be very proud of him. And he starts to tear up and he says, you know, thank you. Um, If you want to go wait by the uh, uh, barracks, get some food, just take a rest. You've done a good service here. And he starts getting really upset. Uh, Obviously, I mean, it's understandable. I mean, you're just like, oh, yeah, my brother, your brother's here. Are you? I came with your brother. Oh, yeah. Where is he? Dead. Oh, lit. Uh huh. Okay. so. Um, anyway, so then the blonde friend goes and sits under a tree, right? And this, the ending scene was very beautiful. I mean, despite the, the, you know, death and destruction that we were witnessing throughout the movie on his journey there, um, he sits under a tree in the, in the sun and he pulls out a box with, I think it was a picture of his girlfriend, um, or his family rather. And he just looks at it. And he just kind of looks up and then he just kind of shuts his eyes, you know, like he, he's done. And then the cuts to credits, which for me, I mean, I watched um, All Quiet on the Western Front um, a few years ago, about two years ago now. No, three, three years ago for a uh, film study class I took where I had to compare and contrast a movie made between 1970 and that or one before 1970 and one after I chose to do All Quiet on the Western Front and Apocalypse Now. Now, the ending to All Quiet on the Western Front, spoiler alert, it's been out for almost 100 years. It's about 90 years old now. Um, the ending to this movie, or no, not 90 years old. It's probably, yeah, no, the 30s. Yeah, it's, it's old as hell. But anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. It, it came out, I think, before World War II. But so anyway, so you're watching the end of 1917. I was, at least. And I started thinking about All Quiet on the Western Front. Because in the end of All Quiet, you know... The uh, German kid in that movie, he sees a butterfly is reaching out for it. And he gets killed by a French sniper. And then all the score stops, all the music, everything just stops, right? His hand goes down 
and then it cuts to an ending scene of a bunch of the guys from the beginning of night of uh, all quiet and they're all like you know german friends they're all smiling they're marching they're like we're with our buddies etc etc and then under that is a bunch of uh crosses indicating graves and you know it's it was very haunting i mean one of the kids uh, i presented to i mean he said that his hair stood up because it was a very powerful ending and that's what i felt with 1917 was it was just very powerful you know he just been through I'm assuming he'd been there at least, let's say, a year or two. And, you know, his friend died. I mean, his friend's dead. He's killed two men at this point that I know of. He's killed two men. And he just told another guy, hey, your brother's dead. I saw him die. And he just, you know, he just said that he didn't want to go back home in the beginning of the movie. You know, he didn't like going back because he knew he had to come back to the war. And then he just, you know, all this relief... I guess just kind of, you know, was just something for him specifically with the light shining down the sun. It just it was uniquely, I think, for him in that in that moment. And I really liked it. Honestly, I recommend people see it. It's not it's kind of like Dunkirk. It's not all war and, you know, blood and guts like Hacksaw Ridge, but it's like Dunkirk where you really get to know the two guys and it's a World War One setting, which for me is a great one. I love World War One history. Um, if you are interested, there's a YouTube channel called The Great War. Not sponsored, but, you know, I like his channel. Um, he does a really good job of describing Great War things. And it's just, it's a very uniquely British perspective. Um, because it was basically Britain's war, even though, you know, they didn't have to get into it, but they kind of had to. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, but it was just, it was very good. I don't know how else to say it. I, I highly recommend someone if they have two hours to watch it. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, I don't have much else to say other than, uh, I'd give it a probably about a nine out of 10. I really liked it. I think people should watch it. Um, yeah, if you like this segment, please let us know. Um, you know, uh, soon you might get one from Dylan, you might get one from Dan, maybe grace um it's all depending on who's seen what movie if they want to do it etc um thank you guys for listening at least uh i hope you are no um it's only a short one real obviously it's only about 20 or 26 minutes or so um but yeah i hope y'all enjoyed it please let me know what you think about this let dan and i know or dan as well let both of us know what you think do you like it do you hate it um Thank you for your input, if you have any, and hope you keep listening.